Good afternoon and welcome to the Thursday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. Coming up this afternoon, we'll chat with the Executive Director of Farm Management Canada. Up first in today's country comment, the province's pulse specialist, Dennis Lang, will stop by to give us an update on the soybean and dry bean harvest. The latest farm news and market numbers all coming up over the next 60 minutes. The time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon. You're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. Manitoba Agriculture says the soybean harvest is 89% complete. Dry bean harvest, 82%. That was in this week's crop report. Yesterday, I caught up with the province's pulse specialist, Dennis Lang. Well, I think for the most part, uh, the majority of the soybeans are done here in the uh, Red River Valley here. Uh, There may be the odd field here and there that growers are, are just kind of finishing up here the last couple of days. But um, uh, for the most part, uh, growers have been uh, finished for anywhere from uh, about a week or so, I guess. Talk about the weather and how that helped uh, speed things up here. Well, it's a rather interesting year. Um, You know, midsummer, lots of discussions around where the average yield was going to be on soybeans because of how dry things were. And uh, as we've talked about before, soybeans typically like uh, rainfall uh, in the July, early August and to really hit those yields. But it was so dry this year that we were initially kind of looking at potential yields in that 25 to 30 bushel range as far as an average, and maybe a little closer to 25. Um, As we got into harvest, though, um, it was quite interesting to see that the the yields were, uh, in some areas, much better than expected. Um, Not to say there wasn't the 12 and 15 bushel yields out there, but there were lots of uh, soybean yields reported anywhere from 30 to uh, to over 40 bushels an acre. So at the end of the day, um, we're probably looking at pretty, pretty close to about a 30 bushel average across the province this year. Um, so better than initially expected. And the quality has been quite good for the most part. Um, the only real issue that we have been seeing in both dry beans and in soybeans, and it's not every field, but in areas where it was extremely dry this summer, right around early flowering, uh, we saw some of those plants kind of stop growing um, and uh, what ends up happening was they, they kind of just sat there. They didn't really go into pod production. Um, the term male sterile plants is used when the plant does not produce a full, full pod. And what that means at the end of the day is that in certain regions, um, we've seen some in Emerson here, we've seen some in Starbuck, uh, or actually Brunkfield area where it was really, really dry. Um, green, the green headlands or green edges of the field, and sometimes that would be almost two to three air paths, air cedar passes in where the plants are either grass green with a few mature pods on them or grass green in mid-September with just buds on them. And that has to do with the fact that it was so dry and those plants um, potentially could have, uh, you know, those first few passes of ground may have been a bit more compacted. Uh, in spring came up a little bit later and then it was just the timing of the, the hot, dry conditions that caused the plants to kind of shut down and then start to regrow again when we got rain in August. So not really going to affect the yields, but it makes uh, completion of, of a field rather difficult. If you have uh, you know, a green strip on the side, you can finish the rest of the field, but that green strip, um, you can wait for a while, but we haven't had any frost to really kill it, so it just kind of stays green for, for a long time. So, How are things looking with the uh, dry beans? Um, dry bean yields didn't, uh, aren't faring as well this year. Uh, in past years, when we've had drier conditions, um, dry bean yields have been still quite good, uh, average or, short, uh, or slightly below average. Um, this year, however, I, the dryness uh, persisted early in the growing season. 
So the yields that I'm hearing right now are anywhere from 800 to 1,200 pounds per acre. Um, in the good areas where they've got more rainfall, um, those yields are in that 1,600 to 1,800 pounds an acre. Overall quality is good. Uh, no real issues other than a little bit of bacterial blight uh, in some of the samples here and there, but nothing, nothing to be of any concern with right now. So overall, we're probably going to be looking at, you know, maybe a 12 to 1,300 pound average yield um, for this year. Uh, our normal five-year average is 1,700 pounds an acre. Field peas, that's the only other thing I'll comment on here. I think provincially we're going to be looking at somewhere around 40 bushels an acre. Um, overall, the quality was, was good. So, um, um, and uh, moving forward, uh, the biggest concern I, th- I think growers have a lot of questions on right now is how to, fer- or how to I guess, decide which uh, pulse crops are going on which fields. Uh, we're hearing some reports of some high nitrogen residual levels because of how dry things were. So growers are looking at fields in some cases with nitrogen levels as high as 130 to 140 pounds of nitrogen available. Uh, normally, you wouldn't consider planting soybeans or, or peas on that piece of ground um, just because it would be better suited to growing canola or wheat because you have all that residual nitrogen. So there's been lots of questions about how to move forward on that. So, um, And uh, that would be another question for another day. So. That was Dennis Lang with Manitoba Agriculture giving us an update on the soybean and dry bean harvests. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Good afternoon, I'm Corey Canute. Farm Management Canada has released a new research report investigating the business management needs of Indigenous agricultural producers. Here is FMC Executive Director Heather Watson. We know that farms across Canada are quite diverse and with very unique needs. And we haven't really ventured into Indigenous production before, so we wanted to really understand from a baseline perspective and kind of from the ground up, uh, what are the unique needs of Indigenous producers, including, you know, what are their um, attitudes towards and involvement in the agricultural industry and specifically production, and then what are the needs when it comes to supporting business practices. A full version of the report can be found on the Farm Management Canada website. And with the federal election now behind us, the general manager for Manitoba Pork is hoping that policymakers are focusing on securing international access for Manitoba's products. Here's Cam Dahl. Trade policy is critically important to us. and 90% of what Manitoba grows is exported, either by on the foot or, or in pork products. And, of course, those pork products are actually processed here in Manitoba. There's a lot of Manitoba jobs that are, are dependent on pork and international trade. Dahl notes Canada needs to use the World Trade Organization and the dispute processes in agreements like CETA and CPTPP to actively challenge non-science-based trade barriers. That was a look at today's farm news. I'm Corey Canute. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Eggwire for Thursday, October 7th. I'm Corey Canute. Coming up today, we'll hear from the Executive Director of Farm Management Canada. Farm Management Canada has released a new research report investigating the business management needs of Indigenous agricultural producers. Here's FMC Executive Director Heather Watson. Yeah, it all came together. Basically, our organization, Farm Management Canada, looks at how we can increase awareness, adoption, and appreciation of business practices on the farm. And so we know that farms across Canada are quite diverse and with very unique needs. 
And we haven't really ventured into indigenous production before, so we wanted to really understand from a baseline perspective and kind of from the ground up uh, what are the unique needs of indigenous producers, including, you know, what are their um, attitudes towards and involvement in the agricultural industry and specifically production, and then what are the needs when it comes to supporting business practices. How many um, Indigenous producers are there across the country? According to Statistics Canada data, there are approximately 15,000 Aboriginals within the agricultural population, of which about 70% are Métis. So, of course, we refer to Indigenous because it's a more inclusive term, but you know, different governments have, have different ways of, of categorizing. Just talk a little bit more about um, you know, some of the things that, that were looked at in, in the report here. Yeah, for sure. So first and foremost, we wanted to look at, um, you know, the Indigenous population within agriculture. So, you know, who's involved, how are they involved, in what capacities. So things like, you know, is it uh, commercial farming? Is it, um, you know, production for food or for materials or for medicine? And trying to really get that baseline of what is the involvement in the agricultural industry, and then things around, you know, what attracted them to agriculture, um, what are their goals when it comes to the to their farming or farm businesses, and then, of course, we really wanted to drill down into, you know, what are the interests and the needs when it comes to business management training, so things like, you know, financial management or human resources, business planning and whatnot, because that really speaks to our mandate. There were a number of recommendations that uh, that came out of the report. Um, can you take us through some of those? Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, we, you know, as we kind of entered through this, we realized, you know, it's, it's of course, much more than just about us and kind of, you know, our mandate and what we want to do. So we ended up going pretty wide in terms of the scope and, in terms of the information we are collecting, and then therefore our recommendations are quite uh, diverse as well. So things like, you know, building lasting relationships with Indigenous populations, that was something that came out loud and clear in the research that we did. So the importance of, you know, not just trying to parachute in and, and try and solve a problem, but really looking at building those lasting relationships with Indigenous communities and ways that you can do that. And so... The recommendations are, you know, are for everyone within the agricultural sector, all kind of stakeholders, whether you're involved on the academia side or on the lending side, um, et cetera. So certainly around, you know, building relationships when it comes to the work that we do in terms of business skills development, it was looking at, you know, how can we um, influence the development and delivery of programming. So one of the recommendations that came out was to, you know, really involve the Indigenous population in the development and delivery, uh, including things like, you know, traditional and cultural knowledge, as well as the involvement of elders in the development and delivery of programming. So, um, you know, that's quite unique in terms of our, in terms of our delivery of training and skills development programming to really involve, you know, the local population and really seek to understand before we, you know, try and, and come in and offer support services. Um, also, you know, some of the highlights, which were confirmed by other research we came across as well, was just 
um, you know, that interest in and importance of a sustainability perspective. So, you know, environmental as well as social and societal as well as economic was really important to have that balanced approach to, um, you know, to programming so that we're, um, you know, hitting all the marks when it comes to something that's going to be sustainable and help build resiliency within those populations. And, of course, we can't speak with speak about Indigenous and and goals without talking about, um, you know, food security and food sovereignty. So making sure that, you know, all of our efforts are connected to supporting local populations as well and building communities and, um, you know, instilling those um, traditions and, and cultural, you know, basis of understanding into, you know, the next generation. And that involves agriculture as well. So building programs that, um, support involving youth in agriculture, for example, and, you know, that trickles into post-secondary education as well as, you know, outside of post-secondary education as well. So really looking at it from a, um, you know, wide scope and, and wide scale point of view. And Heather, I guess where do things go from here? How will this uh, report be uh, used? Yeah, so I mean, for us, uh, we're hoping that um, agricultural stakeholders, so, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, private industry or lenders or academic institutions are looking at these recommendations and looking at, okay, how can we move these forward? And, of course, for ourselves, you know, we're looking at the specific ones around farm business management support and training and taking those to heart and saying, okay, so, um, for example, you know, can we create a farm business management 101 type course developed in partnership with Indigenous stakeholders, um, you know, to bring to this community? Because there was certainly a, um, a desire to, you know, kind of get the business side of farming right. Um, and it's interesting because thankfully for us, you know, a lot of Indigenous producers came back and kind of said they're in the early or beginning stages of their their. Um, you know, production career, and so that's a really good place to to start with business management training. Um, so we feel quite fortunate that there's a real opportunity here. So that's what we'll be pursuing as well as, you know, continuing to share this research out to various populations as we, um, you know, present it to our networks and different stakeholders. Um, there's kind of something for everyone in the results where they can, you know, take it to heart and work it into their programming going forward so that we can all collectively work together to to support Indigenous agriculture and, and like the name of the report, the path forward. So, you know, really trying to get in on the ground level and um, figure it out with, with all this incredible insight from the Indigenous community, how best we can do that um, in, in partnership with them. That was Heather Watson. She's the Executive Director of Farm Management Canada. FMC has released a new research report investigating the business management needs of Indigenous agricultural producers. The full reports can be found on the FMC website. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. I'm Corey Canute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Eggwire will return tomorrow on the Golden West Farm Network. Time now for a look at the farm calendar. Manitoba Forage and Grassland Association is holding online sessions regarding introduction to holistic management every Monday. That'll run until November 8th. Registration is required. The Fall 2021 Regen Egg Grazing Tour takes place today from 1.30 to 3.30. 
at Nurbaz Brothers Angus at Shellmouth, Manitoba. Topics of discussion include balancing forage to cow resource ratio, temporary fencing systems, and more. Registration is required. Visit mfga.net to register. Manitoba Beef Producers Fall District Meetings start October 19th. Go to their website for details. Ag in Motion presents a post-harvest information session October 20th. Topics include storing grain options, winter equipment decisions, and more. Visit the Ag in Motion website to register. And Keystone Agricultural Producers Fall Advisory Council meeting takes place via Zoom October 20th starting at 9 a.m. Go to the CAP website to register. The deadline to submit resolutions is October 12th. Continuing with the Manitoba Farm Journal here on this Thursday afternoon, Manitoba Hydro picked up the CAP Manitoba Farm Safety Award last week as part of the Safeties Award Ceremony. Here's Communications and Government Relations Manager for Keystone Agricultural Producers, Graham Schellenberg. Manitoba Farm Safety is an initiative of CAP, and uh, each year through the Safeties, we award the Manitoba Farm Safety Award to a person, a workplace, or an organization that's taking action to improve workplace health and safety in agriculture. And this is, this, it encompasses a lot of different roles or, or contributions, including implementing changes at the farm level, delivering farm safety programming, or even helping producers you know, identify and manage risks on their operation. And uh, this year, we've given it to Manitoba Hydro for, for their contributions to farm safety. And, and really, uh, all we can say is congratulations based on all the good work that Hydro's been doing. Talk a little bit more about um, Manitoba Hydro and, and how they've worked together with, with CAP to um, improve safety. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, in the past few years, CAP and Manitoba Hydro have been strong allies on farm safety here in Manitoba. And really, the, the impetus for awarding Manitoba Hydro this award is is their relationships and, and their collaboration with CAP to reduce the number of contacts between farm equipment and electrical infrastructure. Um, it's a, a real concern when you look at farm safety here in Manitoba, uh, the potential for damage to equipment and, and to infrastructure that is ever so essential. Um, and, and so that's been a big thing. You know, they've been surveying farmers to understand uh, their perspectives when it comes to working safely around uh, electrical infrastructure and and the programs that Manitoba Hydro offers uh, for farmers. And really, you know, their work to ensure that farmers understand the rules and regulations that apply to them, the programs that are available to them, and and how to drive and operate safely around uh, electrical infrastructure is is the big reason for for giving them this award. You mentioned uh, the uh, Manitoba Farm Safety Program. Uh, tell us a little bit, little bit more about that. Yeah, Manitoba Farm Safety is an initiative of CAP, and our focus really is to, uh, you know, avoid potential regulatory oversight or, or legislation that may come in, in the farm safety realm. Uh, really, farm safety aims to educate producers and to provide that resource for them uh, when it comes to farm safety. You know, what are the... Uh, the, the changes that they might need to make on their farms, what resources are available, and what information do they need to know. A big part of this is our farm safety consultant, who's always available to do uh, farm safety visits, uh, safely during COVID, of course, and, and help producers you know, adapt their operations. If they're getting, uh, for example, a work improvement order, uh, and they need some support on, on how to make those changes, you know, that resource is available for them. And really, when it comes to farm safety, whether it's, you know, uh, making those changes on your operation, looking for more general information or, 
or just uh, you know looking to connect and discuss farm safety, we're always available. Uh, give us a call uh, or visit our website. Uh, as I said earlier, you know we we have a farm safety consultant who will send to your farm uh, to to have those discussions or even do it virtually. But really, farm safety aims to be that informational hub uh, to help farmers, you know, reduce the risk of injury or, or the, reduce the risk of accidents, and most importantly, to uh, reduce the potential for, for further oversight. That was Graham Schellenberg. He's the Communications and Government Relations Manager with Keystone Agricultural Producers. Manitoba Hydro picked up the CAP Manitoba Farm Safety Award last week as part of the Safeties Award Ceremony. Another look at what's happening in the markets heading into the close is coming up in just a moment. Time now for another look at today's farm news. Throne speechwriters and cabinet makers are putting the final touches on government priorities and selecting the ministers who will implement the plan. Manitoba Pork General Manager Cam Dahl is hoping that policymakers are focusing on securing international access for Manitoba's products. We're really in an uncertain period right now where we're not sure what barriers are are going to come next. You know, some of the trade agreements we signed really aren't working all that well for us. Fixing that really does need to be a key priority for politicians in the next parliament. Dahl notes Canada needs to use the World Trade Organization and the dispute processes in agreements like CETA and CPTPP to actively challenge non-science-based trade barriers. And Farm Management Canada has released a new research report entitled The Path Forward, Supporting the Business Management Needs of Indigenous Producers. Here's FMC Executive Director Heather Watson. So first and foremost, we wanted to look at you know, the Indigenous population within agriculture, who's involved, how are they involved, in what capacity. So things like, you know, is it uh, commercial farming? Is it production for food or for materials or for medicine? And trying to really get that baseline of what is the involvement in the agricultural industry and then things around, you know, what attracted them to agriculture, what are their goals when it comes to the to their farming or farm businesses, and then, of course, we really wanted to drill down into what are the interests and the needs when it comes to business management training. A full version of the report can be found on the FMC website. I'll be back after this to wrap up today's program. We've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email to farmdesk at goldenwest.ca. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we'll hear from the chair of Turkey Farmers of Canada. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. Hope you can join us back here tomorrow starting at 12 noon.